Hi there. I am so excited to invite you to attend our fourth annual free virtual special education and advocacy conference. We are hosting it here at Ashley Barlow Company in partnership with Rebecca Poe Teaching. And we are so excited for a few new things at this year's conference. The first new thing is that we have not just one, but two different tracks for attendance. For the first time ever, we have created a track that is specific for school staff and teachers. We also still have that traditional track that we intend to be really great for parents and caregivers in the IEP arena. So yes, we have a teacher track and a parent track. On that teacher track, you are going to learn about things like easier data collection, gestalt language processing, behavior reading, and other super hot topics in special education practice, as well as advocacy. On the teacher and caregiver track, you're going to learn about stress management for caregivers using adaptive books, something that I have really kind of um, dove into here at my own house, inclusion advocacy, advocacy strategies, and so, so much more. That free ticket will give you one pass, one access to one presentation per hour on the track that you choose, either that teacher track or the parent track. Of course, if you are not available on January 19th or January 20th when the conference is taking place, you can buy tickets to access the conference on demand. And those tickets, of course, are available at our website, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference slash 2024. Check out the website for more information about ticketing. This year, we also have something super exciting planned. We have decided to make this a two-day event. When I partnered with Rebecca Poe Teaching, I told her that I really feel like school districts, disability organizations, and other community organizations need to start providing trainings that are accessible to teachers, related service providers, administrators, parents and caregivers, and other community members that are interested in IEP support. What if we all attended the same training? What if we all learned information about special education practice, curriculum, how to read evaluations, that kind of stuff, about special education advocacy, how we can collaborate more, how we can work together, and even about special education laws. What if we all attended those presentations and we workshopped them together? So together with Rebecca Poteaching, I have created the Empowered Workshop Series, and we are excited to bring it to your organization or school in 2024 and beyond. If you are interested in having Rebecca and I bring a workshop to you, you can see a preview of the Empowered Workshops on January 19th, the Friday before our main conference programming. For more information about that, either send me a DM or check out the website, again, ashleybarlowco.com backslash conference dash 2024. We hope to see you January 19th and or January 20th and can't wait to connect with you. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ashley Barlow Company podcast. I'm Ashley Barlow, your host. If you are a parent, 
a teacher or someone who works at a school, or you're a community member, a volunteer or a staff member at an organization that supports people with special education plans, a coach, a tutor, or even a grandparent, you're in the right place. Sit back with an ice cold glass of lemonade, put on your walking shoes and grab some headphones, roll down the windows and cruise. Ready, set, go. Educate, advocate, collaborate. Welcome back to the Special Education and Advocacy Podcast with Ashley Barlow. I'm Ashley Barlow and I'm so happy you're here. Today I want to break down a little part of inclusion for you because this is probably the topic that comes up the most often in IEP meetings that I attend with my clients where I work as a special education attorney here in Kentucky and Ohio. So the topic that schools bring up so very often is that disability categories somehow drive the placement of the child. And I want for you to understand something right here at the outset. That is not true. It is stated in the law, in the regulations, in guidance documents, in case law, and lots of other places that disability category simply does not drive placement. Now let me tell you things that schools will say to parents. They'll say, well, your child has this particular disability category, and so he or she must have this particular kind of teacher, or a teacher with this particular kind of certificate. Not true. Schools will also say your child has this particular disability and therefore needs to go to this particular classroom. Not true. Or they'll say your child has this disability category and your child therefore has to go to this particular school. Again, not true. But you can say not true all you want in an IEP meeting. What you need is some foundation, the basis for that. So I want to give it to you, and today I want to talk about some guidance from the Department of Education. The United States Department of Education has an office for special education and related services. Now they put out some guidance documents, and I want to go through just a couple of those guidance documents with you so that you can walk through this discussion with your school's IEP team if you need to do that. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is a letter to Margulis that was dated June 26 of 2003. And in that, we call these dear colleague letters, by the way. What happens is different people will write the Office of Special Education and Rehabilitative Services, OSERS is the acronym for that. And they'll say, we've got this question. And then OSERS will respond in writing and they publish it for all of us to have too. And while they aren't legally binding, they are extremely supportive when we're making legal arguments. And so in this letter to Margulis of June of 2003, OSER said, placement decisions must be individually determined on the basis of each child's abilities and needs and not solely on factors such as category of disability, severity of disability, configuration of service delivery system, availability of space, or administrative convenience. That is really, really helpful. And it says completely outright that disability category does not drive placement. There's also an OSERS letter to TRIG, which is dated November of 2007. And it says the exact same thing, but then it goes on to say, historically, we have referred to placement, the term placement, as points along the continuum of placement options available for a child with a disability. 
because we know there's that continuum of placements. We start at gen ed and then we go to special education and then we go to special class and then we go all the way down to home instruction, hospitalization, institutionalization, etc. So we call placement points along that continuum of placements. And we call location the surrounding um, and location is the surrounding, such as the classroom in which a child with a disability receives special education and related services. So we learn the difference between placement and location in letter to trig. And then we've got letter to Otten, which says, and that is dated March 7th of 2011. And letter to Otten indicates, as the regulations make clear, placement decisions must be made on an individual basis. Placements that are determined solely on the category of a child's disability are not consistent with the regulations. So there you have it, right there, plain and simple. You can Google these documents, they're on the Department of Education's website. They will help you when a school says to you, well, your child has this particular disability category and that means they need to go here. These are the arguments that you need. They reference the regulations and the different parts of the code, and that is also particularly helpful. Now, I want to talk about when school districts say, well, gosh, you need this particular teacher because of your child's disability category. Also not true. Oftentimes, I think where schools are coming from on this one, is this provision, this mandate, that schools have highly qualified teachers. What is a highly qualified teacher? Well, highly qualified teachers came from the No Child Left Behind Act, which was instituted in 2001. And what the No Child Left Behind Act mandated was that highly qualified teachers have, first, a bachelor's degree, second, full state certification or licensure, and three, prove that they know each subject that they teach. Well, of course, some special education teachers do provide collaborative services, and they might, for example, teach eighth grade math, or they might teach third grade science. And in that case, their different states might say that they have to prove that they are capable of teaching eighth grade math or third grade science. Each state has its own different regulations and rules for teachers when it comes to this. But by and large, there is not a state that says that certain teachers have certain certificates to teach certain children with certain disability categories. It simply doesn't exist. I think schools are interpreting this highly qualified teacher provision to say that if a child's needs are more significant, that the child needs a teacher with a certificate to teach children with more moderate or severe disabilities. However, that is not what No Child Left Behind Act says, and it is likely not what the state regulations say. So what do you do if your school says that? Well, the first thing I would say is, what's the state's definition of highly um, qualified teacher for a special education teacher as it applies to my particular child's IEP? And see what it says. You might even try to look it up yourself. Then, if that doesn't work, what I suggest you do is that you acknowledge to the school that the teacher that they're suggesting in the setting that they're suggesting sounds lovely. 
okay, yes, I acknowledge that this particular teacher is indeed very qualified. And I acknowledge that this teacher seems like he or she could make very wonderful plans that involve my child. Activities and specially designed instruction, that sounds great. However, when I weigh that against the other benefits, academic and not, that my child would get when being instructed in this different placement environment, I would choose the different, less restrictive placement environment. And so you're acknowledging it. You're saying, yes, I understand that. However, I'm weighing all the factors and I don't put as much weight on the certificate that the teacher holds. Sometimes schools are just looking for an out. They don't want for you to come back in a couple of years and say, well, you gave me this teacher with this lesser disability or this lesser teaching certificate and my child isn't making progress. And so sometimes what they want for you to do is to say, okay, I acknowledge it and I still choose for my child to be in the less restrictive environment. You could also see if we could think creatively about the teacher with the certificate that the school is suggesting. So maybe we could use that teacher as the child's resource teacher, but not as the child's placement. So could we go to that particular teacher, but only for pull out special education services? Could we go there just for an hour or two or three per day, but not hang our coat on the hook when we arrive at school every single morning in that child's classroom? Not go to a self-contained classroom, but rather have an inclusive IEP where our home base is in the general education environment and where we spend most of our time is in the general education environment, but sure, we can go to pull out in that classroom with the teacher that has the certificate that the school wants us to have. Or could we say maybe that teacher could come into the general education environment and support the child there? Or could we use a different teacher as the resource or special education teacher, but perhaps the teacher with the certificate that the school is suggesting, the teacher with the certificate that allows the teacher to teach children with more moderate or significant disabilities, maybe he or she could provide some resources to the other special educator. So we've got supports for school personnel built into the IEP. And so maybe the person that has this certificate that the school thinks is superior or more applicable to your particular child's profile, maybe that person could come in and provide some support, some training to the special education teacher that you are suggesting. You know, that would be very similar to an OT that would provide handwriting support or training to a general education teacher for a child with a fine motor delay. So those are the suggestions that I make when I'm in an IEP meeting and they're trying to say, oh, well, for this disability category, a child needs to go to this classroom or have this particular teacher with this particular certificate. It's simply not true. There's not only the basis for it, but also some practical arguments. I hope that's helpful. I'll see you next week. Have a great week.